I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey everyone. In this episode, we're talking about exploring the world through food. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. My guest today is Emmy Lungmas. She is the creator of Meat on Her Bones, a site that's devoted to spreading cultural awareness and exploration through cuisines from around the world. Emmy's Instagram feed is gorgeous. You should definitely check it out. Besides her beautiful feed, she has explored and shared meals with people from 27 countries and dozens of U.S. states, and she offers tips and eating itineraries. She's really just happy to share her knowledge with anyone who shares her love for food and travel. We also talk about traveling for food being a privilege and what does that mean, especially in terms of food waste, which she is very conscientious about and something that I think we should all think about whether we're eating abroad or at home. So if you love food and travel and want tips on how to find the best local spots or how to create a food-focused itinerary, I think you'll get a lot out of this show. As a bonus, Emmy has just created some downloadable free itineraries. So we've included that in the show notes and you can go to exploreandyou.com and we've linked it there. Okay, maybe grab a snack for this one and let's jump in. Hi, Emmy. Thanks for being on the show. Of course. Of course. Thank you for having me. So I thought we'd start with talking about where your passion for food started. Definitely. So I can, <laughs> I can trace it back very far. I remember I grew up in Chicago and, you know, Chicago is full of a lot of really good Michelin star restaurants now. It's a great foodie city, but uh, really growing up there, I have such vivid memories of being, you know, a first grader and being like, it's pizza night, Chicago deep dish pizza, <laughs> you know? And so you always kind of have those foods that root you, that remind you of home for undergrad. I moved out to the South. I went to Clemson University and uh, quickly realized the foods were really different there. You know, the first day I was invited to have barbecue and I was like, oh, we're having hot dogs and hamburgers and realized they meant like pulled pork. And I, I hadn't right. like- <laughs> Cooked for like 12 hours. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, shrimp and grits, that was like, you know, fish off the coast of Charleston kind of thing. So uh, kind of recognized- there were so many people that I fell in love with these places in my life when I moved around. And I really fell in love with all these people in these places around the dinner table, you know, having conversations, having community. Um, I went on to move a, a couple different places around the world and every place I went, even if we couldn't speak the same language, I recognized we really are connecting through food. That's one thing everyone can really do, you know, their love for food, their love for their local food, and so you can kind of learn a tremendous amount about 
a community or a culture or a person based on how they eat, what they serve you, what you talk about around the dinner table. So that's kind of where my passion grew. And I, I love that. Um, I have to say, food hasn't been like the number one priority when planning my travels. I mm -hmm. kind of prioritize other things, but as I've traveled more, I've realized like what you're saying about how much of a connector it is and how much you can learn about a culture through their cuisine. And, um, you know, so taking cooking classes and just looking for those little jewels of a restaurant, um, yeah. trying to step up my game a little bit when it comes to food. <laughs> so I was excited to talk to you because I, I feel like, you know, I can learn something. I know, I know listeners can learn something too. Can you share a little bit about sort of like your journey as a food blogger and starting Meat on Her Bones? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, I kind of started traveling, wasn't um, and I'm sure like a lot of your listeners may be different now. When I first started traveling, you know, Instagram wasn't a huge thing, mm -hmm. you know, TikTok, all these things. So maybe I'd post on occasion, uh, you know, on Facebook that I was at a new city in a new country or something, but there really wasn't this like virtual sending, posting every day attitude around travel yet. Um, but recognize how much I, you know, just to tell the truth, I really just love, love eating. I loved mm -hmm. trying foods I'd never tried before. I loved going to street markets and being like, this is a crazy thing to try. And I, for me, for me, it's a crazy right. thing to try, but for them, it's like a thing that they eat. And so I was like, wow, being in this fish market, you know, with, you know, popo right here, you octopus, and I had never had octopus. And now I can go to restaurants and be like, that's what I want. It is delicious. So just opening your mind to that. Um, and then I, you know, when I was doing research before going to a new place, uh, I would be doing all this research and I was like, oh man, wouldn't it be just wonderful if I had just like a database of things that I need to try when I went to a place. And before, you know, social media, I just, my camera roll was just like photos and photos of all this food, all this stuff going on. And so it wasn't until I think I launched Meat on Her Bones February of last year. I've always been in marketing communications. I've always loved travel and food. So I was kind of like, you know what everyone says, make the thing that you want, you know, make the thing that you want. And I kind of was like, I, I have the travel experience. I have this love for people and travel. I personally figured out what I should eat at all these places, went out, ate them, took the photos already. And I love, you know, writing and exploring why wouldn't I make this platform myself. <laughs> so I uh, kind of just launched, um, used it as my application to my master's program. Uh, and then, yeah, I currently go to Georgetown University. That's why I'm in DC. Okay. Um, and, uh, was and what's your major? Like, integrated marketing and communications. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And so uh, we got in and was like, why would I stop doing this? I love doing this. It's such a good hobby. And it's just has grown from there as something that, you know, I have a, I still have a full-time job, but this is a great thing to do in addition as I'm sure you're the same way. Creative outlet is a huge thing. Yes. Just, I love doing it. I love connecting with people. And so it just, it grew and 
you know, during COVID it's actually grown even more because I'm like, I have more time to devote to this right. thing. So yeah. yeah. And your feed is really gorgeous. Um, I found you and then I was just scrolling through. It's like, wow, this is beautiful. That's so kind of you. Thank you. Do you use certain apps for posting or do you have your editing tricks um, that really create that look? I feel like you've gotten that down. It goes through a long process, definitely. And I think that was the biggest creative outlet. I, I will say, if you want to be someone that posts every day, if any of your listeners are looking to try to, you know, post about food, post about travel, you do have to love like uh, the creative aspect, the creative grind of like having a photo be exactly like you want. Um, there's been photos that I've edited, you know, 20 times before I like the way it looks. Um, and that's, I love doing it. So it's, it doesn't feel like a job. It feels like, uh, um, but I will say um, for, for me, most of the time I will either take a, a photo with my, you know, big, bigger camera, which um, I have an alpha, like a Sony alpha. Um, but a lot of times I'll say, you know, at a restaurant <laughs> or in a lot of, you know, scenarios where you're just, it's, it's, not appropriate just to be like oh here's the camera and you like right. pull out this big camera and everyone's like we're in the right. middle of eating why are you doing this um and some of the best meals I've had are the ones that you're just kind of like I, I this looks beautiful I'm gonna snag a photo with my camera and put it away because this is a conversation and right. a good meal <laughs> and so it's really a lot of playing of am I am I gonna ruin this meal by taking a picture and if I am then I'm not gonna take it the memory will be here and that's more important but if I do get a picture on my phone um, it will go through a similar process just through the apps on my phone so I have the Adobe suites on my computer but I also have them on my phone I love Visco um, I use the preview app to map out my whole entire feed. I use preview almost religiously. I map out weeks in advance the photos I'm going to have once they go through Visco, once they go through Lightroom. Um, you can also do like hashtags and plan captions there. Mm -hmm. And then Canva. There are so many different page things you can do with Canva. It's so user-friendly. You don't have to know Adobe or marketing or anything to be able to create stuff on that platform. So those are my, my big ones. And those are also on my blog. I have a, I think a blog that's like what I do to capture and edit my photos. And I kind of go through all of those as well. Great. We can link to that um, in the show notes so people can uh, go check that out. Uh, when planning a, a food-filled trip, where do you recommend people start? So I will say... Um, if your listeners are like me, you know, oftentimes you kind of have a place that you just, you want to go. You really want to go like where it's, what's your list. Um, but some places are better than for food than others. Um, there are some places that, you know, I want to visit, but food wise might be reaching, reaching a bit. Um, what I, what I highly suggest for is the research you do, the research you do beforehand. So when I want to go to a new place, there are a lot of different things you can keep in mind. Are you, for example, are you gluten intolerant? Are you gluten free? Because um, I will say Italy has so many beautiful aspects to it, but it, it will be hard to eat all of 
the top Italian foods if you are if you're gluten free, you know, um, right. for you that might be someplace going where there's there's rice noodles instead. So maybe you want to go someplace like Thailand, or maybe uh, you want to go to someplace like Japan because if you're gluten free, you'll have plenty more to eat there. Not not that right. um, you can't have plenty of meats in Italy, um, depending on the region. So start with a dietary restriction. And if you have a dietary restriction, that is a good place to start. And then think about your, you know, it's kind of dirty to talk about, but your budget, think about your budget because you're not going to go to Monaco. You're not going to go to, you know, the, the coast of Barcelona and well, some places you can actually, but you're not going to go to Nice, France and think that you're going to spend $10 a day. Right. Very difficult to do that. Whereas if you go to somewhere like Lima. Exactly. Oh, that's a good example too. You could have a four-star Michelin. Yeah. Yes. We, we had a very good meal in Lima and it was, I mean, I think we could only do it there because it's affordable. Right. Absolutely. And, or like um, in November, I went to Cape Town in South Africa and me, I went with my sister who I'm very close with and uh, she was living there and she was like, you, we have to go to the seafood restaurant. We ate so much seafood, like fresh off the coast seafood delicious and we'd be like the and drinks so many drinks and we'd be like wow this meal costs like twenty dollars per person (laughs) you have to really think about that and do your research beforehand you know how touristy is the area sometimes cost can affect quality the quality Mm -hmm. of what you you get and so if you want that super stellar experience um researching how far is your money going to go might be helpful. Um, but then sometimes, you know, you can find great street food. Oh, absolutely. Places. Absolutely. I'm all for street food. And then, so how much research do you typically do before your trip? I do. I do like, so much research. I'll, I'll probably do more research than your listeners have to do. Um, but that's because I'm also trying to, you know, uh, write on a blog and right. do a post yeah. and give suggestions. Um, there are a lot of resources online that can help you plan. And it really depends on how much you, you care. So for me, I have my list of food that I'm going to hit. And I'm kind of thinking I want to hit um, the restaurant who will do it the best. You know, not every person needs to do that. You can go to a place and the place that people say is the best might not even be the best, you know? Um, It's more for me, just about learning about the people, learning about the culture and not getting into this rut where, you know, the view might be great, but you're eating a burger that you could have gotten down the street. Um, if you don't care about that, then the view is the view and that's what you're there for. But for me, I'm just like, the food is what I want the view. I want the food. Um, and so a little more research goes into that. I like to, um, not, I I am a budget person, so I will pick, you know, a night or maybe one really good meal that I'll have during a trip. If I'm there for one week, maybe there's one or two, you know, I'm going to not care about the money of this meal. I kind of know what I'm getting into. I'm just going to enjoy this. For the rest of it, I really try to keep in mind that sometimes the best food is not the most expensive food. 
some of my favorite, you know, places to go are the street markets. And, you know, you can just do, you know, a taste of this, a taste of that. You can stop at a restaurant and, you know, if you're the person you're with, unless you're traveling solo, which I do a lot, that's also fine. But if you are traveling with people, all get different dishes. All, all try each other's because you don't need to, you know, have a million different dishes. But you can try all these things and kind of be like, oh, when I went there, you know, they are known for their venison and I tried fresh venison and that's what I had while my, my, you know, significant other or travel partner had, you know, the clams and they're so amazing here. And I tried that too. And it's an easy way to be able to plan out kind of what you want to eat, but not have to worry about um, just also having this huge budget or feeling sick because you're so full or worrying about food waste and things like that. And it's also a good way to maximize your visit to that restaurant. I mean, yeah. leverage your travel partners and you're going to have that many more food experiences in one place. Right. Absolutely. And one thing I will say is, you know, some of the places that you'll visit will be the ones you don't plan. And that is absolutely true. I believe that wholeheartedly. But if you're anything like me, if you're a traveler, if you're, you know, road tripper there, we've all been through um, days where you're, we'll, we'll figure out dinner and then dinner comes and there's no, there's nowhere to sit. There's nowhere to go. You don't know the time, you know, when, Things aren't open. You know, yeah. You're wait, You're walking around Spain. And you're like, why is everything closed? And you don't remember that siestas happen in the middle of the day. And you're like, oh, right. things are going to be closed for an hour or so. You know, and you I'm starving. To, <laughs> yeah, and I'm starving. So you really have to make sure you do that sort of research. Recognize that cultures are different. It's not going to be the same as where you are. And for me, I kind of, I kind of try to make at least one reservation a day. So I know no matter what, I have this one meal. If you decide not to go, I mean, I'm not trying to say, you know, ruin this restaurant by like booking everywhere and then not showing up anywhere. But um, if you're worried that you're like, might not have a meal for a certain night or getting in late, always book uh, a restaurant in advance if you can. Now we're in this tech age where there are plenty of apps and there is almost every city or country will have a local reservation app as well, surprisingly so. So um, always do that research too. Just look up. It's so easy. Like when I'm going back to Cape Town, I was like South African reservations and they have their whole own app, which is basically like Resi or, you know, open table, fully functional where you could just book because I mean, it's, a country doing a ton of things, huge nightlife. They also want to have reservations at these restaurants. So maybe book somewhere just in case. That's what I always suggest. What are your favorite apps or even guides or publications for doing your research for the regional and local cuisine um, to figure out what restaurants you want to visit? Yeah, yeah. So I will, another <laughs> like little push here, but uh, I ask anyone who knows me, it's just like, I will always go to Condé Nast and that's because I know that they love what I love. So it's, it's nice to find a reliable source where you're like, they care about aesthetic. I care about aesthetic. They care about quality food. I do too. It, what's harder about someplace like that is you won't really find the street food. So if you care about things like that, you'll have to do more extensive research um, to you know, they're not going to list, you know, the mom and pop place necessarily down the street. 
So I'll do, you know, the food research of the markets. Um, and I can usually find that by looking through other people's blogs. You, Pinterest is like a huge thing. Um, locals will post plenty. Instagram, there's always a local food blogger. There always is. And don't, you know, reach out, reach out to them, make community with these other people. And then a fun thing for me is then Conde Nast. I look at Conde Nast. I'm like, these are the places that I know I'll go and will be beautiful. (laughs) And, you know, pick a few of those. Um, Eater for United States is a really good one too. There's some I try to stay away from because it's like really touristy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I try to stay away also from ones where it's like people rank. And I know that will sound counterintuitive, but a lot of times it's like one person had a bad experience with one waiter. It's a misunderstanding. And then all of a sudden you go on, I won't name any platforms, but it's just like bashing this whole restaurant. And you're like, I mean, I've seen restaurants on here where I'm like, I love this restaurant. Why didn't this person like this restaurant? So I don't know if I necessarily trust the ones where people can go and just like yell into the void of the internet. Um, But if you find more reliable publications, ones that are really building a platform on food and aesthetic, you can usually, you can usually find some good stuff. Yeah. And I like your suggestion of um, looking at other bloggers. Um, I found some great places in Cusco from looking at someone else's blog. And I mean, you can really see the passion come through typically, and you can see if there's that alignment with how you travel. Um, but I found that's a great way to, um, such a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I say lift up all, all bloggers, you know, Pinterest is, there's like so many resources on Pinterest online doing just Google searches truly. And then, um, what's the best way to get the inside scoop about those sort of not to be missed local restaurants? Yeah, so so for me, I I think often I will try to reach out to people who I know have lived and spent time there. And I know a lot of your listeners might be people who, you know, who are they going to know from Italy? Like what? But I, I will say there's some, for me, be like, oh, my, my roommate from college studied abroad there. So they spent, you know, five months there. They can tell me some good places they love and I trust them. But also... Pinterest, people who are local food bloggers, Instagram is a huge one. Use the resources that you have that are locals really in the area. And don't be afraid to, you know, reach out to people. And if you don't get a response, you don't get a response. But a lot of people who, if they're posting about local food and they're a food blogger, they, they'll love to respond to you and get right. some, some suggestions. I know I always try to um, I know plenty of other people that do as well. And then can you describe a typical day of exploring a place through food? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, I do try to do a, a lot of research in advance. If you want to do less research, you can go to my blog and I've done it for you. <laughs> and there are plenty of other you know blogs that have done the research for you. Um, but I'm also big, you know, I live in the arts and culture world as well. That's what I do marketing comms for. So um, I'm going to a place, I'm still trying to see, you know, a museum. 
I'm still trying to, you know, see nature. Um, most people that are travel bloggers will tell you every day plan. Don't try to plan a million things. Try to plan two things, thing in the morning, thing in the afternoon, a backup thing if you run out of time. But the, the worst thing you can try to do is try to fit 20 things into one day and not be able to see all of them. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually I will um, do more like a brunch or I'll do small something at the if I'm staying at a hotel. Um, but I try not to do, you know, three huge meals, because if you're anything like me, it's planning out three huge meals. First of all, it's it's money. It is kind of restricting because you're trying to make reservations at certain times. And the truth is you'll find food along the way that you want to have, you know, it's so much more fun to, you know, plan a big dinner, maybe plan a lunch, but be like in the afternoon, we're going to stop at a cafe. I see a place where there's gelato. I'm going to stop there. We're going to have a snack, you know, um, leaving those moments for spontaneity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's always, and those will be the best memories. That's just the truth of it. Those will be those markets that, you know, fresh fruit you buy on the side of the street. It helps the local economy. And also it's the best memories for you. Like have, have a picnic, go to the market. Um, It really is a great thing to do. And so when I plan out my day, I really, the biggest suggestion is don't plan too much into your day. Plan the things you really want to do, plan the restaurants you really want to go to, and then leave a little bit up to just what you're feeling. I know um, for me, one thing I love, which is a little bit extra on the food is the, um, I love getting snacks that can only be purchased in that country. So if you like, that is fun mm -hmm. from the vending machines, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you go to like Japan and you go into, or example, for example, I lived in Korea for a while. If you go to the corner store in Korea, you will find the most wild flavored, drinks, snacks, and they're so fun to try. You'll walk around and you'll be like, what, what am I about to eat? I have no idea. And you have to be into that. And you know, a fun thing to do, which I always do is the first or second day I go to a grocery store, a corner store and look around. If I've done some research, there's certain snacks I'm looking for and I know what's inside or just see what, what looks good. (laughs) And I'll, I'll buy snacks. I'll just buy snacks because then me and who I'm traveling with or just myself, that can be an early breakfast. That can be an afternoon snack. That can be a lunch one day. It's a great way to save money and also try things that you can really only try there. You know, where where else are you going to have this like crazy marshmallow chocolate thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You're reminding me of the um, sake flavored Kit Kats that you found in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) So fun, right? And so you remember that and you're like, I could never find that here unless I went to like an Asian market and I really spent the time trying to find it. Right. But walking around, you know, Tokyo and stopping and being like, I had all these crazy buns is like such a better experience. So Mm -hmm. much more fun. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, you know, if you book three meals, how can you really enjoy all of them? I mean, that's a lot of food in so one day. So much food. Yeah, <laughs> be so. realistic. 
you do not need to eat that much. (laughs) (laughs) And I really like how you talk about being conscious of food waste. Mm. And do you have any tips for avoiding wasting food while you're, yeah, while you're traveling? It is really important because there are a lot of people who don't have (laughs) access to food. So uh, if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. That has always been a, a very interesting relationship that I've I've had with food because um, America has a very specific feeling about food. Plenty of other countries do too. Um, and not just food, but weight. A lot of countries have opinions about weight as well. And a lot of times they come hand in hand for people, you know, um, being healthy, but not even just being healthy, aesthetic, you know. And so oftentimes, you know, I've wrestled with this Um, people will care less about the food that I'm promoting and more about like, how do you stay, how do you stay thin? Which I have a lot of feelings about because that's not necessarily the business. (laughs) But um, also this relationship with food, which is you have to be conscious of what you're eating. So um, what you're putting in your body, um, how much you're consuming. The truth is we consume at least in the U.S., I grew up in the Midwest, and maybe I can only speak to Midwest, and I can only really speak to my family and myself. We consume way more food than we need to. The truth is, I my portion size could be about half of what it, it was growing up, um, and that's a huge privilege because the truth is there are a lot of people where they need double, if not more, of their portion, right? right? And so we have to realize um, where our pri- privilege is, where these like food injustices are, where the food deserts are, how much we're consuming and, and what it means to have that privilege and be able to promote something on a food blog. You know, I'm running around talking about all these foods I'm eating while other people don't have food at all. So um, trying to be conscious of that, trying to recognize, you know, with everything that I have, leaving a plate full, it just it kind of makes me uncomfortable when I think just as um, something for your listeners to think about, maybe it should make them uncomfortable too. You know, we can always take things to go, not in every country. In the U.S., we can, not every country takes things to go and you should not expect that. But if you, if you know that, there's so much to be said for ordering within your means or share if you're eating with a bunch of people, share two dishes. If you're about to go to a restaurant, you're like, this is about to be a huge meal. I'm so full. I mean, I know it can be hard on a restaurant to cancel. I'm not trying to suggest that, but maybe think about don't go, don't go. Maybe instead stop somewhere and help the local economy by having a pretzel at a beer garden instead of having, you know, this huge Bavarian feast. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, it's mostly just about thinking about your privilege, I think is a big thing. Thinking about where you're coming from and thinking about where the locals are coming from. You don't be this person that walks out of a restaurant and is like, oh, I'm so full. And, you know, when the country you're in, you know, there are plenty of people who are, you don't, don't have a meal. So just, just being conscious of that, cognizant Mm -hmm. of it and your relationship with it, um, I think is the most essential thing if you're going to be, you know, eating around the world and, you know, flaunting all these photos and trying to do these right. things, be conscious of your surroundings and what's happening. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. You know, being a mindful eater even too falls in line with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you're enjoying each bite and savoring it, you probably need, then will eat less because you're not just on autopilot. You're having that connection like you were talking about earlier, like where where did this food come from that's even sitting on my plate? And am I really being present to enjoy it? And am I being appreciative? There's a lot of things that you can sort of stop and be conscientious about while you're enjoying meals and during your travels, I think. Are there a few things that you think every food traveler should pack with them? Definitely. So if you're going to be traveling and wandering around with food, if you want to explore, there are some things that I always suggest uh, when traveling at all, and that will be wear comfortable shoes. I cannot stress it enough. Yes. I know you can get the <laughs> cute Instagram photo. I'm sure we've all been there with the blisters. It will not be not, <laughs> not worth, worth it, it, people. Trust me, because you're, oh, that blister will, you'll feel it for the rest of the 10 days if that's when you're not. Um, yes. <laughs> but I'll also say if, um, if you really want to explore cuisine, a big thing, uh, maybe the number one thing is uh, if, you're, if you're a woman or, if, or anyone, uh, I will say, be conscious of where you are. Always have a map or download a map. You can download a Google map of any place. Know where you're going to be. Um, that way you have the leisure of getting lost and really wandering the streets and you know, trying foods and f- trying local places. But you have to be conscious of your own safety. And always download a Google map on your phone or something. Have a local map. Um, and always, if you're going to try to find those fun places, have local cash. Have local cash. I can't stress that enough. I don't think, I don't um, know where your different listeners are from, but a lot of times I've seen it. Americans will walk in with an American dollar and be like, you don't take this. But, you know, some places will because it's worth more. But a lot of places are like, what am I supposed to do with this dollar? You know, like, I don't need a, I don't need this dollar. Um, right. And you shouldn't expect. Or they don't accept credit yeah, cards. So exactly. You if you're going to go to a street market, oftentimes they won't take a credit card. You know, they're not showing up with a little like Apple, you know, a square, whatever it is, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, And you shouldn't expect them to, you shouldn't expect them to, because they're running this street market business. So um, I will say it's really valuable to bring local cash. And I might suggest don't always expect to be able to withdraw cash wherever you are. So for a good example is I was in um, Xi'an, China, and there's a lot of differences between China and other places, but a big one is that people there um, can only have a specific cell phone service, can only go to specific banks. And so you won't, you won't see, you know, a Chase bank on the corner. That's just not going to happen. It's going to be hard to find a place where you can withdraw money and a lot of places that will only accept cash. So um, just make sure when you go to a place, it's not all going to be the same as going to Florence you know, where there's going to be a lot of other Americans and foreigners, you see a lot of other banks and running on a tourist industry. If you really want to go to these smaller places, you have to know what your expectations are and, and prepare accordingly to be safe and also be respectful. Don't expect people to speak English to you. Don't expect them to accept your credit card, your debit card, your money. And that goes back to the research, right? So that you can set your realistic right, expectations. Right. You shouldn't go to a place making someone cater to you. You're, you should, you should be respectful of that, definitely. So, 
and a, a gracious visitor. Yeah, right. Guest, gracious guest. Gracious guest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I feel that so wholeheartedly. So I read that you keep a food diary. Oh, yes. Yes. And can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? I, I definitely have recommended to um, my readers to, to journal, but I would love to hear about your food diary. Yes, absolutely. So um, I, so while I'm actually traveling, I do, um, like I said, planning in advance of where I want to try things, different places, but I, on my phone, in my journal, mark every restaurant I go to every single thing that I try because the truth is especially if you're going to blog about it later you need to remember what you're suggesting and I have a hard and fast rule I will never suggest a place or a food that I did not try myself um sometimes at the end I will say some restaurants that friends of mine who live there suggested here's some others I didn't try these though but otherwise I will never suggest a food that I have not tried myself it's just a rule that I've tried to stick to. Um, so I'll make sure I write down everything I try and usually have a good memory about, uh, because I love it, what and where I tried. I'm actually um, posting free um, templates for people to be able to um, use templates to keep their own food diary. So maybe by the oh, time great. this podcast comes out, you can search on my site and you'll be able to find these free uh, PDF templates that you can print out and bring with you to track everything you eat. But um, is it's kind of a fun thing. You can rank each restaurant, kind of say what you eat. And then I put my own suggestions of, you know, things that you should try. If there's going to be um, three different, I did one for Greece, one for Cape Town and one for Tokyo. And uh, then I have just a template that's just general travel. So um, that should be in the next couple of oh, weeks. Those come out and you guys can kind of play around with those. Yes, we can yeah. definitely link to those. And I think um, the listeners will find that really valuable. So perfect. So where can people find out more about you and Meat on Her Bones, which I love the name. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it is a reclaiming. Ladies and gentlemen, just be conscious and be you know, me on your bones. It's a good thing sometimes, yeah. you know, it is a good right? thing. Yeah. yeah. Be healthy and be happy. Um, so yeah, that's how that kind of started. I love it. You can find the blog. It's uh, meatonherbones.com. And then uh, my Instagram is meat.onherbones. So I post on my Instagram just about every single day. And then I generally post a new blog post every other week or every week on Sundays. So Great. I'll those on that as well. Perfect. And then we'll, we'll link to your sites. Thank you. So I like to ask this question of all my guests and it's proving to be a little challenging actually. And I, I totally understand why, <laughs> um, but what was your most meaningful travel experience? Yeah, that is <laughs> it's a hard question. And I'll say there are places that I have lived, you know, where that definitely formed me and shaped me living there. But if I was going to say one place that I traveled, so when I was living in Vienna, Austria, I was able to travel to a lot of places around Europe that were farther west in Europe, but I hadn't, and, and Europe's different than America in a lot of ways, but also um, to a lot of Americans can be more comfortable as well. Um, that's a generalization. Um, but to many Americans, they're like, oh, let's fly over to Europe, you know? And I had been that way too. So it was maybe my early 20s that I was like, you know, why wouldn't I go 
east. So I went to um, a great foodie place and that's Istanbul, Turkey. And at that point, you know, I was in my early, early 20s. I really hadn't been any place that really felt that new to me. Really put me in a place where I was, um, even, even though in college, I, I was a double major. So I was also a, a religious studies major. Um, even being a religious studies major was confused when I was woken up at like five or six by the call to worship. And I was like, why, why wouldn't I have remembered that this was going to happen? This huge, loud, beautiful, interesting noise, just like shaking the walls of where I was staying. Um, but so, so different than, um, than what I had been raised with, you know, and then walking through a bazaar. So, so I had never been walking, you know, through a place where it, it was just, it felt so different. And I fell in love with that. I fell in love with that. I fell in love with being in a place that was busy and different and uncomfortable and was the reason that I decided after college that I was going to move to South Korea. Just being somewhere new, that was the first time I really felt out of my comfort zone and I loved it. I wanted more of that, that, that richness and traveling and having a new experience different than when you were, were different in Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago where I was raised. Um, so that was a huge formative experience for me going to Istanbul. And I suggest it to anybody who's looking to travel. Istanbul, Turkey is just a gorgeous and delicious place to travel. I, I love that story. It sounds like it really launched you into seeking more experiences that were different and that challenged you, which is so exciting. It's kind of like, isn't that what life is about? I think certainly it's what travel can be about. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's so exciting. I love that about it. Well, this has been great chatting with you and thank you so much. It has been. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Explorer and You podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.